Welcome to Artspace Perspectives, where we capture conversations with the artists and creative stakeholders who live, work, and contribute to Artspace communities, giving them a digital platform to share their passion and perspectives about the creative economy in the cities in which they live. Welcome to Artspace Perspectives. I'm your host, Tio Aiken, along with my co-hosts, Jeremy Staub and Amanda Cortez. In this episode, we're sharing an interview that Amanda and I did with filmmaker Mateo Cervantes. Um, he is also a resident of the South Main Art Space Lofts. Um, Amanda, what resonated the most with you while we were um, conducting this interview? So with Mateo, the most interesting part for me was to see how he developed an ethic around telling a story that wasn't his. He talks about really specific practices and um, things that he did to prepare to tell heavy stories about slavery in the South. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's not from here. He is from another country, and he's also white. And so just hearing him go through that exercise was really fascinating, and I think it's going to be great for our listeners to hear. Oh, what about you, Jeremy? I know you sat in the room when we taped this one. Right. Uh, what I really found interesting about uh, this interview uh, and, and from his story was that, you know, he's a, he's a transplant to Memphis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he shares his experience with getting access to certain resources mm-hmm. as an artist here locally. Um, but it, it kind of differentiates from the stories that we've heard from other artists that are local um homegrown Memphis artists. And so there's a, just a different story there. And it was really interesting to hear that. You know, what I really felt interesting about Mateo's story is is hearing from him about how he is a transplant to Memphis and how his experience has been about getting uh, gaining access to different resources here mm-hmm. as an artist versus, you know, what we've heard from other artists that we've interviewed and their stories about access uh, to resources. So I, I think it's very dynamic and different. Um but definitely worth listening to. So here is our interview with Matteo Cervantes. We're here, as promised, with filmmaker Matteo Cervantes. Hi, thanks for coming and having this conversation with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, Matteo, tell us about your, your art form. I'm a filmmaker. Uh, that's broad enough, and uh, <laughs> it explains, it's kind of self-explanatory, but uh, the realm of my work goes from narrative to documentary, I've recently actually started working in the documentary field uh, with a project uh, called An Accidental Drowning that was sort of the result of my collaboration with the Lynch Insights Project here in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And But before then, I've mainly worked in narrative uh, short form, and I co-directed a feature film uh, with Sarah Ledbetter, another Memphis filmmaker. So. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about the collaboration project that uh, led to your documentary now, uh, just to contextualize it? Yes. Uh, The Lynch Insights Project of Memphis is a nonprofit here in Memphis that works to bring awareness and keep the memory alive on some of the lynchings that happened in Shelby County. And at first they asked me to help them record some interviews with people that are related uh, to events uh, one way or the other. And one specific story that uh, I worked on with them was the the lynching of Jesse Lee Bond that happened in Arlington in 1939. Mm-hmm. And um, so my good friend, uh, Professor Tom Carlson, he introduced me to the brother of the, the victim, 
uh, and he was 95 year old, years old when we started recording interviews and mm-hmm. so we and his way of telling that story was so incredible because it was past the anger stage you know because you know in 94 he uh, definitely was wise enough to get over that part but still had a depth and a, an intensity uh, to it that was incredible so I asked if I could actually rec- you know try to put that story into some kind of documentary mm. and of course me being uh, not only a, an Italian but also a white person with no no skin in the game of the of the racial conflict of this country because where I grew up it's you know of course there is racism but it's not institutionalized or it's not so much part of the society as it is here or lynching so, isn't a part of the well, history that you know th- there exactly right? exactly so I felt like I was not entitled to even attempt to tell that story mm. so I started talking to you know uh, leaders of the African American community here and just basically ask how they would feel if I were to uh, attempt telling that story and it was encouraging to hear uh, their perspective and uh, telling me you know as long as you deal with this subject matter with respect uh, you know they didn't they didn't raise doubts or and so I said okay well let's try it and see and it turned out to uh, be a six and a half minute piece uh-huh. that was mainly lyrical so I kind of let uh, the brother of the victim Mr. Morris tell the story and I added some visual to it, and um, yeah, so it seemed like it was well received by him, wow. which was mainly my goal, just not to offend <laughs> in any way, and also just bring justice and do justice to the story uh, that he was telling me. Wow. So. I have a question about, um, you You actually went out and, and asked permission, mm-hmm. and that's really profound for an artist to acknowledge that they're coming from a place that... Um, that is a privilege. How did you get to that place as an artist? Um, well, I don't know, actually. it's uh, I started working on that project a couple of years ago, and so let's say that the political scene in this country took the turn that it did. Um, it feels like even more than before, it was a, a necessary step to to at least be aware that there are things... Uh, that not everybody is entitled to tell stories just because they can tell stories, and so we we also have to respect the idea that our perspective is is not necessarily welcome, and you know it's not that mm. another white filmmaker's perspective is so needed in the world. I mean, I think mm. that there's enough of that, but at the same time, we have. You know, like everybody else, you know, we can be part of a conversation. And I didn't want to not try to do it because I felt so strongly for it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to walk that fine line between, oh, here's what I think. Because, and I didn't want to, I, I wanted to try not to give an opinion on a story. I would just wanted to try to put a story out there that really needed to be seen and heard by other people. And I was lucky that the person telling the story was willing to tell it to me but I still felt like I had this very <laughs> delicate story in my hands and I didn't want to c- 
crush it or ruin it just by polluting it with my thoughts. <laughs> I think you may have just written like a handbook for <laughs> artists. So, well, I don't know. so I hope that this gets listened to by other artists as well. <laughs> Thanks. So what brought you to Memphis then, or the United States and Memphis? But Yes, I came to Memphis in 2008 officially, mm-hmm. um, w- you know, with uh, visa and everything. Before I was visiting a friend uh, that I met in film school, and she and I started talking about making films. And so, you know, she was here because family is here for her. And I decided, okay, well, I'll come and see what's happening. And we had one project that we were trying to uh, get made. And so because of the financial crisis in 2008, funding was impossible to get. So it took forever to Mm. get things moving. And it gave me the chance to really just, you know, get settled here as I was waiting for that to become possible. And uh, yeah, so that's what brought me here. And then what kept me here is the fact that I found uh, a great environment to um, to flourish in a way as an artist because a lot of people do what I do and we all do it in different ways but with the same focus and it's a very small community so there is a very strong there's a very strong knit between artists here when it's it's a very supportive community and um, you kind of get to know everybody more or less. And so, yeah. But, you know, if I may just make the next jump forward, I was, oh, I know every artist in Memphis. And then, you know, I moved to art space. And I realized, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many more artists that I had no idea were here doing things that I had no idea people uh, would even do as a as a lifestyle. Tell us. What is it? What do they <laughs> yeah, do? What's this new community that you found well, yes. at ArtSpace? It's a, you know, it was impressive to know that, as I said, once you get to a point where you think, I think I know most of the people who do work in the arts, and then you realize that even as an artist, you have no idea of what can be considered art. Mm. And so I think that that was one of the main things that I, that draw, you know, that uh, drawn me to art space as an organization because when I heard, oh, you know what, you hear we are not very fixed in our definition of what art is, it really opened my mind to say, even as a filmmaker, I think I could be a filmmaker and not consider myself an artist, but I could be somebody who, I don't know, who cuts hair or who, whatever, really whatever, it's the mindset that turns it into an art. And so I think that that's kind of the the interesting thing. It really opened my views into what arts are. What was your journey to art space? How did you end up in the building? Yeah, I was a resident of South Main for six years before moving into art space. And so I knew that this project was coming. I knew that it was right there. And so I kept my eyes. I was there for the groundbreaking. I was there actually for meetings before the the groundbreaking where ArtSpace asked artists to come and kind of lobby for uh, for this. And so I've been involved from the beginning, and I tried to, you know, get my foot in as soon as I could. And I was lucky enough that that was the case. 
And Mateo, I had a question. Um, what has living uh, in art space done for not only your artistic practice, but for you as, as a person? I think that the main difference that it's made is to really bring me close to other artists and the potential for, for collaboration is always looming. I'm not, you know, I've started some collaborations and some with some of the artists, but the idea that, you know, there's this pool of people there and for anything that I can think of, um, I could sort of first refer to them. It, it's a very um, comforting thought because, you know, sometimes recruiting people and just, you know, filmmaking is a very collaborative art. So you need people from all different crafts to to collaborate and make mm -hmm. things possible. So um, that was that is the main difference for sure. For my own practice, it's it hasn't changed much uh, because you know you you kind of do your thing, and when I'm filming, I'm not at art space. But I I realize that there's a lot that really can come out of of that environment you know even just as an idea you know the seed of an idea and you literally can go to a mailbox and start a conversation with somebody and feel free to kind of bounce that idea off and see with people who are like-minded you know something interesting could come up and uh, stories can develop and and even the stories of the people who live there are so different that <laughs> just the character side of them is very interesting so Mateo um, you talked a lot about the community you live in and your love for the Memphis creative community. What do you think al has allowed uh, the creative community to thrive here? What do you think is needed for it to thrive? So far, I think it's the main thing that has helped is really individual commitment. Mm -hmm. So artists are very motiv motivated people in general, I think. Um, Memphis is a... It's a very interesting place. It's very unique, at least in my experience from other places I've lived, and uh, because you you wouldn't say that Memphis has the most resources when it comes to supporting artists, and so artists really have to find a way to support themselves. There's a everybody finds his own or her own way to to make it. Mm. So. That, of course, is also the answer to the second part of your question. So what, what is needed, I think, is really an, an infrastructure that supports artists to, to the extent... I mean, and not just financially, which is, of course, the main thing, but it's, uh, it's the ability to offer platforms for artists to show their work, um, to, to promote their work, to sell their work. So there's... There is a lot of room for growth, which is also very exciting because, you know, a lot of us are struggling but kind of making it. Mm. And so if we could only have more, things can only get better, right? So I think that that's kind of the, the factor that keeps me hopeful about Memphis. And art space, of course, not to go back to art space because I live there, but it, it is <laughs> one of those things that are needed. You know, not only bring artists together, you make their living a little bit more affordable and you connect them. I mean, just, you know, in these first few months that I've lived there between 
all the guests that have come, you know, the grand opening and everything else. I mean, I've got connected to people who may or may not make a difference for me, but for somebody, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, this, this is a question I've been asking during some of these conversations, but if you could have three wishes for the creative economy here, what would you wish for? I am a filmmaker, so I mean, I am actually working on an idea to create a sustainable film community and film network of people. Mm-hmm. So it, of course, relies a lot on some funding, but it's very much focused on the the possibility of, I, I hate the word industry because Memphis is not the right place to create an industry for film, but it would be like a film web. <laughs> it's like, you know, like a spider web for, for filmmakers where people can actually come here and get stuck here because mm-hmm. there is everything that they need to keep making films here as opposed to coming to Memphis to shoot because maybe it's a little cheaper and then, you know, fly away and never be seen again. Sounds like you're talking about sustainability. Sustainability, big time. And I've noticed, I've had friends who work in films and, you know, at some point they are very skilled as technicians, not necessarily as creatives. I mean, creatives, yes, but, you know, they're more like crew than uh, behind the idea. And they reach a level of craft and skills that then at some point it becomes like they need more challenging projects and, and they don't come here enough. Mm. So they have to go look for them, and then they realize they're not here, that, <laughs> and and then there are opportunities somewhere else, and they get called, and then they move away. Some may move back, but at the end, it's just the pain of seeing these talented people leave for no reason, because there's no reason that Memphis couldn't have the same strength and uh, Sustainability, exactly, for for, a, for an industry or whatever the word should be. <laughs> What's your second one? Do you have two other ones? No, that's a big one. It's also my second and third. But I think, well, it's interesting. Uh, I hear, and it's something that has been mentioned in the last couple of days, um, this idea that Memphis is always on the cusp of being. Mm. And so... I've actually noticed a big difference since I came here and this. So this is actually the time that I'm really believing that expression when I hear it. So uh, that's my second wish. It's that finally we stop talking about that and we just see what is after that hump. And we are just finally enjoying Memphis being the place for things to happen for real and, and prove everybody right when they thought that Memphis was on the cusp and wrong everybody who said this is never going to happen so yeah just there's a little bit of that I guess that the third one is more of a general wish about Memphis in general I came here you know maybe skeptical about this place but then I realized that I I'm much more of an advocate for Memphis than a lot of Memphians are Memphians love to kind of bash on this city Mm. and they don't have the uh, the ability to appreciate what's here, mm-hmm. and so a lot you'll hear a lot of locals constantly complaining about this place, and it's like, God, what are you doing? Just relax and, ma- and 
know, everybody can complain about anything as long as you do something to make it better. But just uh, complaining for the sake of complaining, I find it a little heavy to stand. That's interesting. We um, During the grand opening weekend, we hosted a panel um, with a four wonderful panelists about that idea. Um, it... I, I can't remember the name, so I won't <laughs> I won't say it. I think we'll probably do some sort of like recap and a, a newsletter, a future newsletter. But um, part of it was unpacking those two lenses of folks who are local and then folks who are would consider themselves transplants or like newcomers. And one of the things that came up was they started um, kind of the thought of the way that you're connecting to. Uh, lynching and telling that story is that there's still a lot of structural barriers that are slightly I mean there's some very there's some very visible things that you can see that are happening but there are some systemic barriers that are a little bit more insidious and um, so like access looks different for a lot of people Um, and but the thing that's been really refreshing for me and spending time in the community during grand opening was the fact that everybody has these different um, everybody at Artspace and everybody that I've met really is um, invested in making those types of changes uh, so I just had to throw that out there because that that came up um, and that's come up a lot because there is like this huge like you said an influx of people leaving and then an influx of people not being able to stay because the city isn't built yet to retain their talent it's I mean, this town has been fascinating for me. <laughs> Agreed. This and city. being around, for me, being around artists like like you who speak so boldly and clearly about race yeah. and about the role of an artist in that conversation and just being very honest with each other and yourselves about how you're approaching your artistry and then also how, how we're approaching each other as humans living in this space and sharing this space. I've heard some profound things um, here in Memphis, and, and I'm from Chicago, that, that would never be spoken so clearly, boldly, and directly. Mm. Um, so with that, what's next for you, Mateo? What's next for me is uh, still Memphis, still art space, still films. <laughs> I have a... Um, a feature film that actually is uh, is my next immediate goal and that I've put a lot of energy in so far uh, it's been developing for about three years now and so I'm really trying to make the final push to find financing so if you're listening and um, <laughs> you know just listen carefully I um, so the title of the film is Nessun Dorma which means no one sleeps it's a, it's a story that uh, got developed through, you know, uh, the support of some organizations like IFP in New York City or the Biennale in Venice. And uh, so we got a lot of support by credible organizations. I think, you know, uh, on the creative side of things, I think we've we've been vouched for. <laughs> so we just have to find the support when whether it comes from Memphis or not. Uh, I'm very committed to, to making it happen. It's not entirely up to me, you know. To, I've, I've had several timelines that I've had to adjust, and uh, I keep adjusting them, but <laughs> it's still, you know, it's a timeline that still exists. So that's my uh, my biggest project, in you know, in my immediate future. And But I really want to make it happen here 
because as I said, I I have endless <laughs> uh, belief in the possibility of this place for for an artist like me and many others like me, m- more talented than me. And so, yeah, there's there's hope. <laughs> Where can people find your work to support this project or just to see what's going on with you? I do have a, uh, you know, a Vimeo channel where a lot of my previous work has, uh, is published and available. And it's a, a round trip on Vimeo. And, you know, people can f- find me on social media. I'm happy to share, you know, any kind of content or information that might be needed. Uh, Matteo Servente on Facebook, t- Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, you know, the, right. the usual. New yeah, Facebook friends. Thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Here, whatever it, whatever it needs to be, you know. All yeah. Right. Well, I'll talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. Yeah, um, thank you. It's been fabulous talking to you. Thank you. You've been listening to Artspace Perspectives, powered by the Kazuki Network. I'm your host, Tio Aiken, with my co-host, Amanda Cortez. Thanks for listening. Artspace Perspectives, produced by Artspace and distributed by Kazuki and.